Hi, this is Sean Benson from Harvest Church in Warrensburg, Missouri. I want to thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. For more resources, log on to harvestwarrensburg.com. I have I've been wrestling with the Lord on this message, not because I don't know what I want to say, but what I want to make sure is that what I do say is coming from His heart, not my own. Um, I have... I, I absolutely, so we're talking about the core value of worship, and I absolutely, I love worship. I love music. I love the worship of music. Not the worship of music, but worship in music, to say it like that. Like, I love worshiping in music. You know, I don't listen to, I don't listen to anything else but worship, you know, because, because everything in my heart just wants to glorify the Lord. And, um, and so I don't, and it's not that I have an issue with any of the other music. It's just, I have an issue with some of the other music, lots of music. I don't have an issue with, you know, but I, but I think that there's something about the way that music hits us, that it changes us and it shifts atmospheres and it, you know, and it changes the way that we think, you know, and, and if you think about it practically, this isn't actually even remotely close to what I wrote down, but if you think about it practically, if we go to the chief's stadium what kind of music are they playing? Are they playing like really slow, quiet, peaceful music at a stadium? No. Why? Because they're setting an atmosphere, right? They're setting an atmosphere. When you go to the gym and you're going to do a hard core exercise, are you going to play classical music? Probably not right? Probably not. Now, if you're going to study, what kind of music should you put on? Classical music. Why? Because it actually changes the way that your brain's working. Did you, have you read those studies? Like when you turn on classical music, it actually engages your brain in a way that creates, it helps your brain to be able to absorb the information that you're getting. You know, so there are, music carries with it something. You know, so what we, what we put in is what's going to come out. If we're putting in music that rages against the world, what comes out isn't love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, or self-control, right? What comes out is rage, right? You know, what we're putting in matters. So, so when we worship with music... You know, I want you guys to pay attention to what's going in because one of the things that we try to do here at Harvest is we try to sing songs that are, that are talking to the Lord but also teaching us something. It's reminding us of who God is for us because we have to remember, we have to learn, we have to know about who God is. And one of the best ways, how many of you guys when you were learning in school used to do little songs or little rhymes to remember something. You know, like, I think my kids still have to sing the days of the week or the months of the year. I don't know. The other day, one of my kids, I won't name them, but they are older than an eight-year-old, um, was like, went through the months of the year and forgot an entire month and then had to go back through. And we were like, let's sing the song together. You know, <laughs> but... Why? Because it helps us remember things. So when we sing songs that aren't necessarily vertical, oftentimes they're filled with the remembering of who God is in our life. Okay? 
Today, I'm actually not going to talk to you at all about worship with music. Okay? I'm going to talk to us instead about a lifestyle of worship. But I want to start off with kind of going back. We have done a lot of talking about a culture of honor and creating a culture of honor. It's one of our core values. And so I want to model for a minute the difference between worship and honor and why it matters so much. So if you have somebody who is very, very important walk in, sometimes if it's just the bride, when a bride walks down the aisle, what's the common phrase that the pastor says when she comes up and is ready for her entrance? All rise, right? So everybody stands up in an act of honor, right? It's an act of honor. Then when the husband and the new wife walk into the room, everybody again stands up and they honor the celebration of the new couple, right? When a special guest walks into your home, somebody who you're excited about, not your best friend who comes over every day and just busts into your house, but someone who is more of a distinguished guest comes into your home, do you sit on your couch looking at your phone and just go, oh, hi? Or do you usually get up? We stand up and we go over and we and we shake her at their hand, and we hold eye contact, and we have a conversation on our feet talking to them, right? When somebody who is important is speaking, the same thing happens when they come up onto the platform. Oftentimes, people stand up, and they, they will either clap for them, or they will stand until the person asks them to sit. It's an act of honor. It's, it's a posture of honor that we physically do. Now, because politics are so tumultuous in our culture, depending on your preference of the politician in power, if the person who is opposite of your little box walks into your area, your space, you know, we might not respond in our heart with a lot of honor, right? We might not love the things that that person's doing. We might not love the decisions that they're making or those kinds of things, right? But there is a place of honor that still happens. So even when the president walks in, whether we love him or we don't, you know, there's still a place where we stand up in his presence and we, we focus in on what he has to say, even if we don't like him, right? We display honor because people are meant to be honored because Jesus honored them when he died for them. doesn't matter who they are, right? But our hearts don't have to necessarily love them. I can honor a president and still not like his decisions, right? And so I think that what we want to keep in mind here is that there's a big difference between honor and worship, and we're going to keep talking about that. I'm going to take another step. In a kingdom, okay, so we don't live in a kingdom, right? The United States left a kingdom, right? But we understand kind of the idea of it. When a king walks in to a space, into the room, what happens to the people who are in that room? They, they are on their feet, but they go low, right? 
So they're still standing in honor. There's still not people sitting on the floor. There's still not anybody checked out. All the conversations that are happening on the side stop for a moment out of honor and respect for the king. And then as they move past you, the posture traditionally is to go low, right? It's to bend over just a little bit. It's to, to move into a place of respect and honor and to recognize that they carry immense power and authority, right? They carry something because really a king has authority over what's going to happen in your world, right? If you are in his kingdom or, yeah, like even if you're not a member of his kingdom, but you are there as part of the kingdom, what you do is going to be affected by the king's decisions, right? If you make a mistake, you get put in jail, right? And so, so there's a place of, of honor that even moves into kingdom where we, where we recognize, hey, that person carries a, an immense amount of power, an immense amount of authority, and my life might actually have, like, my, my life could be in jeopardy of a king, right? If I don't do what I'm supposed to do, a king has the authority, or has had in the past, I think most of them right now are a little bit more figureheads, but, but in, in the past, they have had authority to end your life if they didn't like what you did, right? If they wanted your land and you chose not to give it to them, you didn't have that right, right? So there was this place of recognizing a posture of honor to a king by going, by going under. And what that does is it helps us remember, hey, you're above me. You have more power. You have more authority than I do. And I honor you by recognizing that. And then there's the posture of worship. Worship, I should say honor, is always involved in worship. But it does not mean that with everything that we honor, we're worshiping them. But in worship, there's always an aspect of honor that's there. Because we don't worship something that we despise. Right? We're not going to worship something that we despise. And so there is that place of honor. There is that place of respect and fear and, and recognition that there's power and authority in the person or the thing that we are worshiping. And I think what I loved about the difference when I was studying kind of even the word choices is that when you worship, when you worship, it actually, the definition, one of the definitions of, of the word worship is to, is to go down on the floor. It's fully prostrating yourself before. So it, with the king, when they walk in, you go low, you bow, you curtsy, it's something, you know. You, but, when, but when you're worshiping someone, it's all the way down. It's an act or a symbol of the fact that I have nothing in me that's going to try to be above you. Everything in me goes low. Everything in my life goes low before you. The other part of worship, there's actually two more parts of worship. Another part of worship is the part of that same word that's used in the Greek in the Bible, and we're going to read some scripture that have that in there, is the fact of adoration. When I honor a king, or if I honor the president, I don't have to adore him. Right? But in worship, we adore someone. 
And that's where the posture shifts because we can honor God because honor looks like something physically. It's a posture that we create. It's a carry. It's a decision we make in our head. But to adore, to add that extra measure is to actually engage our heart. Right? It's to actually turn on the light switch of our heart and to allow love in. Because to adore something is to love it. I have a, I have a definition of adore. It says to worship with profound reverence. To address with exalted thoughts by prayer and thanksgiving. To love in the highest degree. To regard with the utmost esteem, affection, and respect. Do you hear that? Like there's, there's a heart connection in the word adore. So when we read the word worship, it's, it's, to, it's to go low. It's to put your whole life down, to lay your entire life down, and to open up your heart into a place of giving and receiving love. It's to adore something. What happens when, when we have someone in our life that we love to the highest degree, you know, then, then what we're doing is we're centering our lives around them, Right? Like, if I adore something, I've centered my life around it. I have, I have had people that I've known who, who have adored their children to the point where everything else in their path, everything else in their entire world stops, and the only thing that they're concerned about is their child, not their spouse, not their job, not anything. They adore that child to the point of neglect of the other things, right? We know people who have done this, but that place, it's that heart affection that we have that creates a shift in us. There's one more aspect of worship, and it's the word serve. In the New Testament, there's two different, the the two primary words for worship. I'm not going to try to read them in Greek to you, but there's two different words. One of them is to go low and to adore, and the other one is to serve with, with a priestly-like duty, to serve in sp- spiritual service. So worship, then, is everything in me, right? So it's literally me recognizing that I'm putting my life down completely before the Lord. This is why we sing that, those songs, right? We sing those songs of, I hadn't gotten there yet, but that's okay. We can read it anyway. The strong to prostrate oneself in homage, that means devout affection to, to do reverence to and to adore. And then in Greek, um, or to serve in Greek is to minister. It's to render religious homage. Again, that's devout affection because we don't use the word homage in this English anymore. So I really, I felt like today I wanted to really talk about like worship isn't just music. It, music sets the atmosphere for us. It shifts things for us. It, it pulls us into not just the presence of God, but it reminds us of how we are supposed to live our daily life before the Lord, right? Because our whole life should be an act of worship, but worship looks like something. There's a posture in worship that we do have to have. And I don't mean that when the music starts that everybody has to be on the floor, right? 
But what I do mean is that our hearts have to respond and the conscious decision to lay our lives down in service before the Lord has to be there or it's not worship. It might be honor. We might be honoring the Lord with our lips, right? We might even try to honor the Lord by fixing ourselves a little bit and trying to look pretty. But there's a whole different thing to have a lifestyle of worship, to live a lifestyle of worship. All right, so here's a story for you. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) All right, so I was at Walmart this last week, and, um, and I was actually in a in a hurry. I was, um, I had like 20 minutes to go from the front to the back of the store to get like seven things and be back out, checked out and on the road. So, um, you know, that's the day that I run into people that I know. And, (laughs) and so I'm, I'm in the back and I think that I have everything and I'm checking my list. Like I pulled up my phone and I'm, I'm literally marking things off and I hear this really quiet, Pastor Misty. And I'm like, oh no. I've already ran into somebody I know, and I've already spent five minutes talking to them. And, and then I'm like buzzing around the square. I already had gone through the entire store once and then remembered that I forgot something and had to go all the way to the back again, you know, us and our dairy. And so, so I'm running back to the back and I hear Pastor Misty. And, um, and so I look up and I start to scan to see who's talking to me, like who's calling my name. And I finally see this girl that I know and, um, and she's like, hang on. She finishes her conversation and she runs over to me and she goes, she's like, I need to tell you a story. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't have time for a story. And I was like looking at my clock going, okay, I've, I've actually done this. Like I've moved fast enough that I have like four minutes to hear a story. So we're going to hope that this story's fast, right? And she begins to tell me that a few months ago, she actually works at Walmart. So a few months ago, she was, um, she was there and her knees were bothering her so incredibly bad. They had swollen up really bad and she was, um, had either made an appointment for the doctor or was getting ready to make an appointment for the doctor um, because she was barely able to walk. And you know, like if you work at Walmart, you're walking all day long, you know, and her knees were, were really, really swollen. And she said, she goes, somebody from your church, they stopped me in Walmart. And she goes, and they said, can I pray for you? And she goes, and so they prayed for healing for my knees. And, and she goes, and then they left and nothing happened. And this was like back in October. And, and she was processing the fact that they had prayed for her when she heard God say, twist your knees. No, who twists their knees? That's weird and creepy, okay? People don't twist your knees, that's weird. All right, but she did. So she literally stood there and she like twisted her knees. She said, and she felt it pop and then like liquid like gush down her legs. And she goes, literally the, the, the swelling just poured down her legs and she goes, and her pain went completely away. The person who prayed had already left. They had prayed for her, did not see her get healed. They left and God said, now twist. And she twists and the, the knees completely get recovered right? That was like, well, that was back in October. She has not had an ounce of pain. She hasn't needed to go to the doctor or anything like that, right? And, and so she had actually ran into that person like earlier this week or last week. 
and she had stopped them and she was like, wait, you need to know, did you know that you prayed for me like a few months ago for my knees? And, and they were like, yeah, I do know. And she's like, listen to my story. Listen, like I am better. I'm healed, right? This is the thing, right? So it's beautiful. I want you to hear this. This is a side note. That person left her in pain. He did not see her get healed, but she did. And it's only because we are in a small little community that she was able to catch them again and to say, did you know? But it was months and months later, right? How many times when we step out and we don't see God do something, do we think that he didn't actually do something when he did? You know, we have to recognize that when we pray for people, there's power in the prayer, whether we see it or not, right? So we want to celebrate that. But here, let me tell you this. This is what's really, really important. That was an act of worship. Do you understand that? Who goes to Walmart to hang out? (laughs) All right. We've got a few people. All right. Who goes to Walmart to get what you need and to leave as fast as possible? Who prays that you don't see people you know? I'm sorry, people, I do. Love you, but I'm usually on a very tight schedule, right? We don't traditionally go to Walmart to just mosey down the aisles and decide who we're going to pray for. We're usually there on purpose. So when we're there on purpose and God says, hey, stop and look at the one, that's an act of surrender. That's an act of surrendering our schedule, surrendering our life, surrendering our risk because it's scary because they might start screaming at you in the, in the aisle. We've had that happen. We've had people get mad at us for praying, asking to pray. Can we pray for you? No, get away from me. And they, they get really angry, right? Like to, to actually hear the Holy Spirit and to step into something like that is an act of worship because it's going low. It's saying that my life isn't as important as what your word says. My life isn't as important as hearing you. My choices, my daily routine, the things I have to get done aren't as important as doing your work, as serving you. And it's an act of adoration to stop for somebody and to love them like Jesus loves them. Right? It's an act of worship, but that should be our lifestyle. Because our lifestyle should be an act of worship. Because everything that we do, this is the thing, we cannot be Christians and still be the God of our own life or we're worshiping ourselves. Because who do we adore when we, when we hit the snooze 15,000 times in the morning and we say, I know I'm supposed to get up and do my quiet time, but I'm really tired, so I'm just going to sleep. Who are we adoring in that moment? We're adoring ourselves and our wants and our desires and our wishes, right? What do, who are we adoring when the Holy Spirit says, hey, can you just tell that person I love them or give them $100? And we go, I don't have time for that today, right? The, the lifestyle of worship, the, the reason why we have this as a core value, it's not just about worship, although we have a huge musical worship. We have a huge value for really amazing musical worship that brings us into the kingdom and the presence of God. But there's so much more to the core value. 
there's so much more of the heart that has to be expressed because the, the idea of adoration has to become part of our lives, our daily expression. We have to adore the one who is higher than we are, right? Because we don't just honor the king, we adore him. All right, so let's do some scripture here. Who likes the Bible? All right, the Bible's good. All right, we're going to start with Matthew 4, 8 through 10. This is, this is where Jesus is being tempted by the devil, okay? And, um, and he's already gone through the first two temptations. This is the third temptation, all right? And it says, and again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all of these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. So pause there, don't cheat, don't keep reading verse 10. Now listen, do you see that? So, so the devil took Jesus to a really high mountain and then began to show him all of the kingdoms and all of their glory. And then he looks at Jesus and he says, I'm going to give you all of this if you fall down and worship me. How many of us worship God so we can get something? Think about that. Satan was offering Jesus something for his worship. How many times do we think that if we go into the presence of God that we will get something if we worship him? We have to pay attention to these little tiny things. Because Satan didn't just say, hey, come and worship me. He offered him something. He, He was like, hey... Step into this. I'm going to let you have all the glory of all the kingdoms if you just do this one little small thing. Do we treat God like that sometimes? Hey, God, I'll worship you if you change these things in my life. Hey, God, I'll worship you if you don't tell me that I have to get rid of this sin. Hey, God, I'll worship you tomorrow when I feel better and feel like it, when you make my life better, right? Like, do you kind of see how there's, there's a... Satan offered a give and take. But look at verse 10. Do you see any give and take in this? In verse 10, Jesus' response says, Go, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Is there a give and take in that? It's just a give. We give our life to him. It's a complete lay down of our life, our wants, our desires, our needs, all the things all the things that we have, and it's to go low before him and to turn our love heart on. We can actually do that. You know, we can actually turn our hearts on, right? We do this when we get mad at people, we shut it off. You know, you can be really happy with somebody for a while, and then they do something really stupid, and you're like, click, and you can feel it go off in your heart, and you're kind of like, hmm, and you shut down and you walk away. We have the ability to have a switch, guys. We can actually, if we can turn it off, we can turn it back on. To adore someone, to love someone is a heart choice. To, to allow your heart to feel affection for something is a choice that we get to make. We have authority over the way that, the way that we can feel and, exp- and, and have feelings for other people. It's a choice. If somebody has hurt us, sometimes it's easiest for us to go, okay, well, I'm going to distance myself by building up a huge wall. So I shut down my heart and I walk away, Right? But what does it look like if somebody's offended us instead to keep our heart open towards them and to pursue relationship? 
Well, it's harder. That's a sacrificial kind of love, right? That's a life laid down to honor another person. When you're looking at this scripture verse, I, you have to recognize that when the devil came, he tempted Jesus with something for worship. He was trying to barter with him. But God says that we just give it to him freely. There's no barter with God, right? We come in and to worship him. We worship him, you know, completely. We are to worship him only and to serve him. So what's beautiful about these, these two different words is the, worship, the word worship and the word serve. Go back. So the word worship and the word serve are actually both the same word. Like you could actually say you shall worship the Lord your God and worship him only. Because the word serve, it's a different Greek word, but it has the same root. There's other scriptures in Romans 12, for instance, that they actually use interchangeably the word serve or the word worship there, which is your spiritual act of worship or your spiritual service, your reasonable spiritual service. It's an interchangeable word of, of priestly duties is really what it is. So Jesus, Satan used this word over here. He said, if you will worship me, now go over to, to the definitions. That's the top word, proskuneo. That's what Satan was asking. So the devil was asking for. He was asking for Jesus to, to go low and to adore him. Okay, And Jesus responded. Now that word that he responded with is actually not in Deuteronomy, which Jesus was quoting from. It says, and it is written, you shall worship and serve the Lord your God only. That word, proskuneo, is not actually the same word that's written in Deuteronomy. It's actually closer to the word serve. Latreu, something like that. Okay? It's a closer one to serve. And the reason why it's really important that we see that is, Deut is Deuteronomy 6, that entire section. That's the whole section where Jesus starts off with the law. And he's like, you shall love the Lord your God with all. All your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Right? That's where the adoration comes in. That's the worship. We love God with everything in us. And then we serve him out of that love. Right? We can serve God out of honor all by itself, right? So again, think about a really important person walking in. If, you know, the president of the United States is here and he's visiting with us and he's like, oh, I'm thirsty, right? Out of honor, we can go and get him a drink, right? You know, when he says, I need a chair, out of honor, we hand him a chair. You know, we are looking to meet his needs, but we're doing it out of honor, not out of a place of worship or love. Do you see the difference? Your heart gets connected in worship. Without the connection of the heart, then it's not worship. It's something else. So our daily lives, the lifestyle that we live for worship has to be done with our hearts open to the Lord. We have to have our love turned on. We have to be willing to give and, and, re, and receive love from God because otherwise we're honoring him, probably, Hopefully, I hope we honor God with our daily lives. But if it's void of the heart affection and we just think that we're bond servants without love, we're missing the act of worship. Okay?
it's really important that God says that we are to worship him. When you understand that the heart is connected to that, then we understand that it's a command that we actually turn our hearts on an affection toward him. Now here's where you see all of your life kind of come into play because we can talk about a life laid down. You know, we can talk about the fact that, that this is what it looks like. You know, the person who's at Walmart and they pray for somebody whose knees are killing them. You know, that's an act of worship, right? And we can understand that, but there's so much more than just doing and serving for God. It's actually who we are to become. So this is one of my favorite scriptures. I know I, I quote it a lot, but there's so much truth in it that I think we can just keep coming back to it. It's Romans 12.1. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. That last word, worship, can also be your spiritual service. Okay? This is where First Peter 2 comes in. That's what we talked about, is that we are ministers of the gospel. We are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. We are called to do the works of a priest. As we are stepping into sonship and daughtership in the Lord, we are also stepping in as priests and kings. And we are to do service for the king. But do you see how there's a life transformation that happens? We're to present our bodies as a living sacrifice acceptable to God. Let me read it out of the Passion Translation because that even brings it more clear, okay? It's beloved friends. What should our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? What should be our proper response? I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God, to be his sacred living sacrifices. So stop there. Do you hear how that's the laying down of our lives? That's the first part of the definition of worship. It's to lay down our lives. So we are to lay down our lives as a living sacrifice, to surrender ourselves, to be his sacred, that means holy, living sacrifices, and to live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart, for this becomes your genuine expression of worship. There's something so incredibly powerful about not just serving God in deed, but it's actually allowing the transformation of our heart and our, our soul to become holy like he is holy. That's an act of worship. I was having coffee with somebody yesterday. It's one of those days where you, like, you have coffee with them and you leave just going, oh my gosh, God's doing such amazing things. And I just, like, I just came alive with like, the goodness of God of how he's showing up. And I left so, so incredibly energized by what God, who God is towards, towards us as people. You know, but one of the questions that I had asked, I had asked her was, was what are you doing right now to get to your calling? And, and she kind of was like, well, I'm, I, I don't know how to answer that question, you know? And then she kind of, she says, well, I'm, I'm growing. Like she's, she's shifting her life patterns and her mindsets to become more Christ-like. That's an act of worship. That's a huge act of worship because she's walking the path towards holiness. Do you see that? Those changes that we make is their worship. It's worship. Like, like our lifestyle is, is worship. And so when we, when we read in the word of God that it says to do this or to be like this, and then we take a step towards that out of obedience, out of love, out of adoration for the Lord because our lives are laid down and he is Lord and we are not, 
That's an act of worship, right? So every step that we take in adoration towards the Lord that, that is surrendering ourself and our wants and our desires and our needs, and we're moving closer to his heart and we're becoming holy, those are acts of worship, right? So, so I guess my question is today is really this. It's how are we posturing our lives in worship that that has two different ways that we can look at that question. One of them is, what, what are the tangible things that we're doing in our life that are, that's worship? When Jesus, back in the old covenant, that the priests and the Levites often stayed near the temple. They did a lot of their service and work in the temple. But when Jesus came, he took his disciples out into the world. And then what was his command at the end? Go into all the world, right? So he didn't say go into your churches and preach the gospel. He said go into all the world and preach the gospel, right? So we are to go out. So how are we posturing our lives in worship? Are we going out and are we listening? Are we worshiping him through seeing the broken and the needy and the people who desperate for him? And engaging with him. Are we worshiping God in the way that our service looks towards him? Because our priestly duties are now not just simply inside the church, they're outside. Right? Because we've been sent out, not in. Right? And as priests and kings, if you have Jesus living in you, you're a priest. You've been sent out to share the gospel as an act of worship. Not just an act of honor or obedience toward the Lord, but an act of worship. How are we posturing our lives to worship in that way? And the other side of that question with the same question is this, how are we posturing our lives to worship? Meaning, are we actually engaging our lives in adoration? Is there something in our heart? How are we allowing our heart to respond to the king? How are we allowing our affections and our emotions and the things that drive us to worship, or are we? You know, we we often we often just think that I have my life and I have church and I go to church and we worship when we sing songs. And if you are really religious, you can go. The whole service is a worship service, right? So from the beginning, from the first strum of the guitar till the person stops finally talking, that's a worship service. Right? And there's truth to that. We can use that term. That's fine. You know, it really should be something more like a service that encourages you to die. Right? Because our job up here isn't, it's to train you and equip you how to go out there. And that process is a process of death. Right? We die, like Paul said, I die daily. It's the constant remembering of laying our lives down and honoring the king through our acts of worship out there where the people need us, right? So when you come to church, instead of thinking of it as my service of worship, when I come into the church, I want you to think of this is my time to die a little bit more today so that I can truly live out there, so that I can come alive 
when I go out of these doors and I can, I can love the Lord because I have laid down another part of my life before the king and I have sacrificed it. And I've moved another step closer to being holy. Remember, we are, we are becoming. We're not expecting any of you to be perfect, but we are expecting you to become more Christ-like, to become more worshipers, to become worshipers, right? Every step we take is a step towards God or not, you know, and I would really encourage you to process that. How are we living our lives as an act or a lifestyle of worship? Are we posturing our lives as worship before the Lord? And what needs to adjust? What needs to die a little bit more today so that I can step in and maybe it's just the fact that you've got to get your heart switched back on right maybe we just have to go hey god i've shut my heart off towards you and i have been honoring you in function and in deed but i have not been adoring you that's one of the reasons why we love to sing songs that are vertical that people we say that it's when we say i exalt you jesus i lift you high you're so big like we're we're recognizing who he is and we're coming in underneath him and we're going you're God we're not we're not anywhere close and we just want to take our heart and we want to turn our hearts on towards you and to go you are worthy to be praised you are so beautiful you love so incredibly well you have loved me so well you are so kind and merciful towards me and gracious and I don't deserve your mercy but you give it to me anyway and when we begin to move into that place that's where our heart gets engaged. That's where our heart turns on. That's why the singing part of worship is so important. Is because it engages. It's meant to engage your heart. But it's never meant to be turned off when you walk out the door. We have to walk out the door with our hearts still turned on towards God in adoration. Living a life that's laid down. Where do you have me to go today? What do you have me to say to somebody? Who do you want me to pray for when I go into Walmart? I've given you an extra 15 minutes of my time because I've blocked it into my schedule so that I can make time to worship you when I'm in Walmart. So that I can look at the person in my cubicle next to me at work and I can go, hey, did you know that Jesus loves you so much? I noticed that you're limping today. Can I pray for you? hey, I just heard that you're going through a divorce and can I just tell you that Jesus loves you and his heart is breaking for you. Can I pray for you? Right? We live our lives in acts or we should be living our lives in acts of worship. When Jesus responded to the devil in that way where he says, it is written, we shall love the Lord your God and worship, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. He took the whole aspect of worship and he dumped it at the feet of Jesus. And it was, lay your life down, adore him, and serve him out of that adoration. Are we doing that? Are we really doing that with our daily lives, with the way that we think about our spouse when we're mad at them? Are we adoring God with that? Are we changing the way that the language is coming out of our mouth because we adore God? We, when we adore someone, we change our lives so that we never hurt them and we're always looking to them to see how we can serve them and love them and please them, right? Okay. I just, I felt like when we, when kind of creating this, there's two things here. We often honor the Lord and adore ourselves. 
And we often also don't have a full concept of what worship is. We think of worship as just music when it's so much more. It's so much more. It's in the daily living of our lives into holiness. But we have to remember that we and all of our wants and desires and needs, it has to die daily. A little bit more every day so we can become more like Christ. Does it make sense? All right, let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you've given us a roadmap that's possible. You call us to worship you and to serve you only, God, and then you've given us the grace and the mercy to walk it out. And so, Jesus, we just say thank you. We thank you that you don't ask us to do the impossible because we're not without you, and you're the God of the impossible. And so, Jesus, we thank you that you're with us. You are God with us, Emmanuel dwelling within us, becoming one with us, and calling us and teaching us how to live and to walk in the right ways of the kingdom so that we can function like you and we can make worship become our every single breath. God, we desire to worship you not just in song on a Sunday, but with every single breath that we take, God. Every exhale, let it be an exhale of adoration, Jesus. God, we want to love you so much, and we want to honor you with our life. And so for those of us, God, who are struggling to turn our adoration on, to turn our love on, God, would you show us what's blocking us? The fears, the lies that we believe about who you are, God, would you just break those in Jesus' name? God, we just choose to turn our hearts on towards you and to risk stepping into your goodness and your kindness, to risk stepping in and sinking deep into your mercy and your grace, God, and then to live every breath with, with an exhale of worship, God. How do you want to use us today? Show us. We're your servants here, bond servants who have chosen to lay our lives down as an act of service and an act of adoration. And out of love, Jesus, we want to serve you with everything in us. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you would like to contact us or would like more information about our church or additional podcasts or resources, please visit us online at harvestwarrensburg.com. We hope to see you soon.